Is your child calling the shots in your home? Do you feel like your kid is controlling you and not the other way around? We'll talk about why that's bad for the family and for the child. Psychologist and author Dr. Kevin Lehman will tell us how to have a new kid by Friday. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. We expect Russia to meet its commitment to cease all military activities in Georgia. And we expect all Russian forces that entered Georgia in recent days to withdraw from that country. Well, they said they were going to cease military activities. Have they? We'll talk about that in just a moment. It seems that President Bush has found his voice on this situation in Georgia, between Georgia and Russia. Russia has declared a provisional ceasefire, but there are troops and tanks still coming in to uh, Georgia, and uh, people are wondering what this means. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Penna Dexter. I'm so glad you're with me today on Jerry Johnson Live. President Bush is accusing Russia of breaking this ceasefire. It agreed to this uh, just in the last couple of days. More from the White House. In a Rose Garden statement, the president pointed to reports of continued Russian military action in Georgia and said this must stop. We insist that the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Georgia be respected. To underscore the point, Bush is sending Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice to the Georgian capital and has authorized the U.S. military to start delivering humanitarian aid. Meantime, Bush is postponing his plans to head to his Texas ranch, but aides say it's only for a day or two and he'll still be on top of things once he gets there. Mark Smith at the White House. There have been five days of fighting uh, since uh, really Russia's biggest use of force uh, outside its borders since the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. This is big, and some people are criticizing President Bush for uh, you know, having a good time in Beijing at the Olympics while these things were playing out. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's criticism, and people can uh, talk about that. We can discuss it if you'd like. In fact, if you have an opinion on that, give us a call at 800-881-9270. Uh, AP correspondent Paul Sonnet reports that Russian and Georgia tr- Georgian troops are still clashing in the separatist region, which is South Ossetia, along the Russian border. We have been receiving reports that there are skirmishes going on between the Russian troops inside South Ossetia and Georgians who uh, remain in the area. Georgian President uh, Sakshkashvili told CBS The Early Show that Russian troops have ripped through a city. This doesn't sound like peacekeepers. Uh, outside the breakaway province of South Ossetia. 
This is in violation of the truth. They uh, moved into the town of Gori and um, uh, rampaged through town, looted the town. These are regular Russian troops. They go into houses. They destroy houses. So the question again is, is this peacekeeping? Uh, President Bush says that uh, these military actions on the part of the Russians in Georgia are disturbing. We're concerned about reports that Russian units have taken up positions on the east side of the city of Gori, which allows them to block the east-west highway, divide the country, and threaten the capital of Tbilisi. He's pretty much laying down uh, the gauntlet, saying Russia needs to end aggression against Georgia, or in the eyes of the world, they'll be an outlaw nation. To begin to repair the damage to its relations with the United States, Europe, and other nations, and to begin restoring its place in the world, Russia must keep its word and act to end this crisis. I don't think there's any question that this was planned. The troops and the tanks uh, that were necessary to do this, the air power, President Bush is calling on Russia to respect the sovereignty rights of Georgia. The United States of America stands with the democratically elected government of Georgia. We insist that the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Georgia be respected. We are taking your calls on this matter, 800-881-9270. Derek is in Richardson. Derek, thanks for calling in. Uh, hello, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, from a military standpoint, I've got two questions, really. It doesn't seem like there's much we can do to help Georgia. I, I wouldn't imagine we'd want to get into a military conflict. But I don't think so. If, 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 but I guess, how does that look to the rest of the world that we're easily engaged in military conflicts in the Middle East but refusing to do so in this situation? And then the second question is, is the emphasis behind this possible that Russia's trying to control oil in that region and, and make itself richer as a result of this? Well, that's certainly part of this. And they're also trying to, because they now are richer than they were in 1991, uh, assert their uh, hegemony in this region. And no, I don't think we go in militarily. There are a few things we can do, though. Frank Gaffney joined us yesterday to talk about some of them. One of them would be to support uh, the entrance of Georgia and uh, some of those other independent republics into NATO. That way they'd get a European um, boost and some help, you know, uh, strategically from the people that are closer to them geographically. So that's one way. Humanitarian help is certainly in order right now. And uh, diplomatically, we need to, I think, uh, in a sense, because of Iraq and Afghanistan and the war on terror, we have neglected Russia to a degree. And of course, Condi Rice is a Russian specialist. I guess she's on her way over there now. But, you know, the Wall Street Journal pointed out today the geographical pre- uh, proximity of this area to Iran, and wouldn't it be something if Russia just sort of barreled on through and ended up contiguous to Iran? And of course, they've got a special relationship right now, so it's a huge threat to the United States. And uh, I doubt we'll, we'll send troops in now. Georgia probably would not warrant that, uh, but there may be a time when we need to. Let's go to Walter in Dallas. Walter, thanks for calling. Hey, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, my comment is uh, I strongly disagree with any, anybody who's saying that um, the president uh, should have left the Olympics and gone to Georgia to, you know, there was nothing he could have done to prevent Russia from invading Georgia. No, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in the, in the aftermath of it, though, it was really the images in the sense. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't think he should have left, but it just it seemed like, you know, he was having so much fun on the volleyball court to getting his mm -hmm. picture taken with 
you know, the girls in their little skimpy volleyball outfits and laughing. And, you know, I know that it was necessary because we've got to have a good relationship with China. And that's why he was doing it. But it was a little bit counterintuitive when all this is happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, he has an obligation to the American athletes. You know, I'm I'm a soldier. I'm a member of the army. Mm-hmm. And anytime the president comes to base and we see him, you know, we have a little pep in our step. You know, that's our commander in chief. You know, I I think it's from from now forward what can be done to uh, alleviate the suffering of the Georgian people is what we should look at. We should not um, look back and ask why the president didn't leave the Olympics. I mean, he's the president, but he's entitled to have a little fun uh, on behalf of the American people, too. And uh, I know that even though he was there waving the flag and cheering Michael Phelps, I think he knew and he was getting briefed, and I think he was acting as a president should. So I, I strongly disagree with anyone who was criticizing him. And I think he, uh, he did what he did, and I agree with it. And I think, uh, you know, from now on, uh, having put the Olympics behind him, he can concentrate, he can concentrate on, on, on with Russia and Georgia. That's right. Thank you, Walter. And, you know, really the relationship with China, really this makes it even more important as we're seeing who Russia really is. Uh, and we start to see that uh, maybe we could be building into some sort of a Cold War situation. Uh, you do kind of think back onto some of that, especially the fact that the United Nations can't do anything, really, because Russia has a veto power. The U.S. has veto power. And so any kind of resolution that's passed one way or the other, it's going to be the competing U.N. vetoes. The European Union did pass a six-point plan. And uh, I think it's really important that we pres- uh, prevent Moscow from going further Uh, to topple Georgia's democratic government, number one, and also from future aggression. There's really, really what's at stake here is the whole balance. Uh, Really, challenges uh, such as these were seen as dead with the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, but they're very much alive. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before I get to more calls, and we are taking your calls on this issue, I just want to tease the rest of the program because, you know, the question that's going to be on the table starting in the next segment is should we or can we let our kids get hurt, allow them to fail? Can we prevent every bump and bruise to their ego or their body uh, as we, as a society, are we overprotecting our kids? And then also added to that, what about uh, these kids who are actually in control of the home, calling the shots? Sort of, uh, their parents are often slaves to either their behavior or their many activities. You know, you may be in this situation and you never meant to get in it. You may only be in it partially, but really the question is, are you the authority in your home? Should you be and how can you get it back? And Dr. Kevin Lehman, who's a psychologist and he's very funny and a great author, he has many best-selling books, he's going to join us to talk about his new book, Have a New Kid by Friday. We'll see if we can do that. And also just take your calls on child-rearing, really anything that you want to ask He'll be with us to talk about it. But let's go back uh, now to the phones and uh, speak with Renee in Plano. Hi, Renee. Hi. Listen, um, I know that you've touched on this as well, but there is a problem with China sharing a border with Russia, and they've had their joint military exercises, I believe it was this past spring. And then now with them moving uh, through Ossetia, there is also the concern of Ukraine, and the Russian uh, shut off the oil to Ukraine in the middle of winter two and a half years ago, but they, Russian also has uh, used the Sevastopol port for, you know, gassing up their ships. 
gas and everything. So I believe Ukraine's at risk, and um, I just don't know what we can do because it would be a huge conflagration if if they're allowed to continue. Do you think, uh, I think we're, uh, Ukraine's at risk too, and I think that's one of the things that we have to begin to shore up and uh, act uh at least uh, statements with a position of strength uh, to prevent that from happening. But do you think that China and Russia would actually uh, sort of become one against us? Yes, I do, because we are a common enemy. And even though they don't really like each other, they're political bedfellows um, due to necessity of being that large border. Yeah, in a sense, uh, I think when I look at this now, uh, sometimes uh, people on the conservative side are critics of trade, uh, and they're critics of sort of the quote-unquote new world order and globalization. But in a sense, I think when you look at things like this, we have built a lot of interdependencies and interconnections with China with regard to trade, and uh, that may serve us well. And uh, those of us who uh, have been a little bit critical may have to eat some of those words as we look at a situation like this, And uh, because we do need to have an ally, uh, an alliance with China to some degree, even though we know we're dealing with a totalitarian and uh, communist, really right. tyrannical government. And uh, so anyway, thank you so much for your call, Renee. We really appreciate it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, next up, you know, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, talking about why safe kids are becoming fat kids. And it talks about how we've made our playgrounds so safe uh, that, you know, hardly anybody can get hurt except uh, this rubber safety matting that they've used to try to break falls and things gets so hot that it actually burns kids. So in trying to make our kids safer, uh, we just can't completely do that. And, you know, it just kind of brings up the question, uh, can we shield our kids from all risk? Can we shield them from all bad consequences? You know, we've been obsessed with risk. Uh, We've even taken kids uh, sort of off of the playground in school, there's a lot less physical activity taking place. And so another risk takes its place, and that's the risk of obesity. And so, uh, in a sense, uh, this is just one of the themes of Dr. Kevin Lehman's book, talking about letting kids uh, basically bear the consequences of some of their actions and not shielding them from it. There's a lot more wisdom in this book. It's called Have a New Kid by Friday. And remember, Kevin Lehman is also the birth order doctor, and we can ask him birth order questions and just any questions about child rearing. So stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. I've got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field. And Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit criswell.edu. 
Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining me. I am Penna Dexter, and uh, we are going to switch gears a little bit on the program. Children, uh, more often than not, in many homes in America, are actually calling the shots. A lot of times, uh, parents don't mean to have this happen, but it somehow creeps up on them because of their parenting style. And you really have to be intentional about this not happening. With us to discuss it uh, is Dr. Kevin Lehman. And, of course, he is a well-known psychologist, also radio and TV personality and speaker. And uh, I guess he's most famous for the birth order books. Uh, But he's written so many best-selling books and just lists of resources. He's also the founder and president of Couples of Promise, which is an organization designed and committed to helping couples remain happily married. And he's a founding faculty member of iQuestions.com. Dr. Lehman, thank you for joining me. Hey, you're welcome, Penna. Nice to visit with you. Well, your book, uh, the one we're discussing today, Have a New Kid by Friday. And, you know, parents would say, well, I really don't want a new kid. I mean, God gave me one. But the idea here is that in many cases, our kids are the center of the home. They're calling the shots. Uh, We're almost a slave to them. Uh, their bad behavior and their activities. And if we are not intentional about preventing this from the beginning, it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Today's kids are unionized. Uh, they're short on a yardstick, and they're in full control of adults. And on top of that, I mean, and people of faith, I mean, my goodness, if you bring a kid up to feel like he's the center of the universe, uh, where is the room for Almighty God in the kid's life? There's absolutely no room for God. So uh, have a new kid by Friday is... Uh, Number one in the country, number one on Amazon. It's uh, it's uh, the publisher told me last week they called it a phenomenon. Well, it shows there's a felt need out there, and yeah. uh, that parents are struggling across the country. And you know, you brought up a point. It's really a theological point, and that is that uh, the family was God's idea. And part of that is that children learn what authority is, and they're then they then get a view of God and His authority, right? Exactly. And, you know, I want every parent to think about this for a second. Is God an authoritarian? Does he grab us by the scruff of the neck or earlobe and twist it and tell us we're going to do this or that? Uh, no, but he, his scripture says every knee shall bow. So we want parents to be authoritative parents. Well, every place I go, Penna, I'm greeted with, Oh, Dr. Lima, we're so glad you're here with us tonight because we too want... Happy, happy, happy children. And uh, permissiveness uh, reigns, I think, in American homes and Canadian homes, for that matter. Uh, We have parents saying things to kids like, Hey, would you kids turn that TV down there? I'm trying to do your homework. (laughs) Uh, Well, the idea is not uh, happiness. I mean, that is not really the goal as parents, or at least it shouldn't be. No, one of the best lines in this book is... uh, I think, is an unhappy child is a healthy child. There's times your son or daughter has to be unhappy. Why? Because they disobeyed you, they talked back to you, they ragged on their brother or sister, they stole something, they violated God's law or your law. Um, So the thing is not about creating a happy child. The point is to 
bringing a kid up in a home and not a hotel. And in a home, you you get kids to give back to the family rather than just give kids things. And that's what most parents today do. Well, I would say that kids who understand authority and who give back are actually happier anyway. Oh, they are. There's no two ways about that. Okay, you say in your book, uh, and it's Have a New Kid by Friday, and we're going to talk about how to do that in a minute, but uh, you say they're growing more powerful and that they are sort of an entitlement group today, that the world owes them. Is this worse than, say, 20, 30 years ago? Oh, much worse, yeah. Why? Well, because I think adults have tied into the happiness factor, and uh, the parents... uh, well, right there in, in Dallas-Fort Worth a couple of years ago, I was the keynote speaker at uh, MOPS convention, Mothers mm-hmm. of Preschoolers. And I love MOPS. I love the organization. And I'm just telling you, after one of those little MOPS meetings, two young mommies are out. They stop at Starbucks for a little coffee and a little treat. And they're sitting there, and they're talking about, what, their husbands? No, probably their kids. And they stumble upon something as innocent as toilet training. And here's the conversation. Um, Oh, Melanie trained beautifully, trained beautifully, 22 months, completely dry. And then the other mom says, well, Samantha must be toilet trained, isn't she? Oh, well, we're still still working on it. Well, how old is Samantha anyway? Oh, she'll be four next month. Oh, well, what does that oh, Penna, really mean? It means my kid's ahead of your kid. And so a lot of what's happening today is coming from the parental level where we don't want the kids to fail at anything, and kids have to be great at everything, and we've got them involved in way too many activities. I mean, I can go on and on. I mean, right. we're doing a lousy job of being a parent, to put it bluntly. Okay, well, I just, uh, before you joined us, I talked about something that was in the Wall Street Journal today, why safe kids are becoming fat kids. And it talks about how they're making the playgrounds just safer and safer so you can, you know, you barely stub your toe on the playground. Yeah. And But then these safety nets that they put out are burning kids because they get so hot in the sun. So in a sense, you know, you hurt them if you try to protect them from all risk, don't you? You do. And, you know, it's just uh, the politically correct society we live in today. Uh, I run into parents all the time who tell me things like, oh, well, Brittany plays soccer, Dr. Lehman, but they don't keep score. We believe every child should be a winner. Every child gets a trophy. You know, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, that's not real life. No, it's not. And, And for anybody who's a believer, you answer this question for me. Did you come to Christ out of failure, or did you come to Christ out of victory? Well, i got news for you. You have to come out of failure. Right. So So, we need to let them fail. So the home needs to be a place where kids learn to fail. But I'm telling you, today's parents, you know, whoever created uh, baby Einstein was a genius. Oh, that, yeah, that toy for... Yeah, well, no, everybody wants their kid to, you know... Be a genius, and so whatever you buy them has got baby Einstein on it. Okay. They want it. Okay. It's just, that shows how far removed I am from little kids. But it's over the top with what we're doing today uh, with kids. It just it makes no sense whatsoever. So it's not good for them to have um, soccer practice two nights a week, uh, music lessons the other one other night a week, uh, perhaps their French lesson the other night, and, you know— just overcommitted. That's not a good no, thing? No, it, it's not only not good for Oh, them. gymnastics, we forgot that. It, it's not only not good for them, it's not good for your marriage. 
you know. Multiply that by three kids. Oh, I know. It's crazy. You know, Oprah Winfrey, uh, I've been on her show, I don't know, I guess five times total. But she had a program, and the program was Families Who Ate Dinner Together. And they had the stage set with families sitting around the dinner table. And I caught part of the show, and I thought, wait a minute, you mean you can get on Oprah by having dinner today as a family? Hmm. Big shock. It's kind of rare. Yeah. And I thought, my goodness, I'll match schedules with anybody. But, you know, we get together. We have dinner together as a family. We don't eat in TV trays in front of a TV or something like that. And everybody's together. And we have a, in the Lehman family, quite frankly, we have a lot of fun. And we like each other. And I think the kids realize we expect the best of them. And yet, you know, parents ask me about curfews. My kids never had curfew. Never. They still don't. I've got a 15-year-old at home. And, and, and they say things, Dad, would you just tell me what time you need to be home? And I'll say things like, uh, you'll be home at a reasonable hour. Dad, would you just tell me what time? How far I can I push the envelope, Dad? Be home at a reasonable hour. And see, I want the tennis ball life on their court. Mm-hmm. I want them to know what a reasonable hour is. Now, somebody out there, and Tyler is probably thinking, oh, wait a minute. If I told my kid that, he'd be home at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's because they haven't done their job earlier in life. That's right. But see, if that happened, that would be the last time that kid would have my car at 4 o'clock in the morning. All right. Dr. Kevin Lehman is with me, and uh, we're going to have a great discussion. We hope you'll stay with us uh, for the rest of the program and uh, also start coming up with your questions. Any question about uh, child rearing is fair game. Uh, I'm thinking of things like, should you give your child an allowance? Or uh, what if your teenager doesn't want to go to church? What do you do? Um, How do you pick your battles? So just things like that. Those will just spur the conversation. But uh, please give us a call, 800-881-9270. And uh, you can start calling in over the break. But, Dr. Lehman, one more question before the break. And that is, uh, I think one of the problems is that, and all parents are guilty. I know I'm very guilty. My kids are in their 20s now. And that is that we do not deliver consistent consequences for bad behavior. And this is part of the reason we get ourselves in the place where we've got a child-centered home, right? It is. And one of the things in having a new kid by Friday is I want parents to stop and ask themselves, okay, here's a social situation with my kids. What do I normally say or do? Now, what's the new me going to say or do differently? And if you don't get that person, you can read all the shrinky books you can read Dr. Phil's books or Jimmy Dobson's books or Gary Smelly's books. Or, oh, my goodness. Uh, anybody's. And if that book doesn't get you to that point where it teaches you that you have to make a decision to behave differently, then your behavior or your kid's behavior is not going to change. Dr. Kevin Lehman is with us. He says today's kids are unionized. They've got a game plan to drive you up the wall but you don't have to let them call the shots. He has a plan uh, where actually in about five days, you can turn them around. And uh, this may seem amazing, but it's actually doable. The book is Have a New Kid by Friday. We are also taking your child-rearing calls at 800-881-9270. For Dr. Kevin Lehman, stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back. Dr. Kevin Lehman is our guest. And one thing I have learned in parenting is that the earlier parents get control of the situation in the home, uh, really sending the message that they are the authority, the better. But if your child is ruling your home, all is not lost. There is hope. You can have a new kid by Friday. That's what Dr. Lehman says, and that's what we're talking about. Dr. Lehman, uh, it's really true, though, the earlier the better, right? Well, it is. You know, uh, someone once said, children are like wet cement. And I always love that uh, visual uh, picture because if you ever watch anybody with wet cement, it's very malleable. It moves around. Uh, it's fun to play with, quite frankly. But in a very short period of time, what happens? It hardens up. And so one of the few things you'll get psychologists and psychiatrists to agree on in life is that personality does form in the first few years of life. So, yeah, when when the book of Deuteronomy says, you know, you train up a child, you know, at the knee, uh, there's a reason for that because when you train kids up, and by the way, train them up, not train them down. Most parents train their kids down. What does that mean? I'm sorry? What does that mean? Well, it means we expect the worst of them. Uh, A young mom going into a supermarket, she's got the 9-year-old and 10-year-old with her, and what does she say? All right, listen up. No running around, no fooling around. Stay with me. Don't ask for anything. No treats, because the answer is no. I'm just going to run here and get a few things. Now, what has she just told the kids? I expect you to misbehave. And so we have to watch our expectations uh, many times I think we convey to kids that we expect them to misbehave, and then they do. Uh, how many how many mommies mm-hmm. can identify with dropping their kids off at a girlfriend's house or their parents' house uh, to watch their kids while they run out and do something, and they come back to get their kids, and all of a sudden when they come to get the kids, the kids start misbehaving. As soon as mom gets there. Yeah, and as soon as and, and, the, and the other adult says, gee, you know, I'll tell you the truth, they were great. They were really good until until you showed up. Okay, what has the parent done to create that situation? Uh, the parent has tried to be too controlling. They've tried to be too authoritarian. You know, good old St. Paul, I never caught his last name, but I know his first name is Paul. <laughs> in Ephesians 6, in the Living Bible Translation, it goes, Children, obey your parents. It's the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. And I love that that interpretation of God's Word because it uses the word authority. And people, as you know, don't like the word authority. Uh, you've all seen the bumper sticker that says question authority. Well, there's a lot of parents who are authoritarian. I grew up in an authoritarian home in Buffalo, New York, and my father's real skill, he was eighth grade educated man, was yelling and threatening. And uh, I remember as a young kid, he'd say, you want me to get the shillelagh? And I remember as a young kid saying, no, no, not the shillelagh. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just don't get the shillelagh. But God is my judge. I didn't know what a shillelagh was. I was I going to ask. A it, it's a walking stick. Mm. Uh, and I was a sophomore in college before I figured out what a shillelagh was. But, you know, that authoritarian uh, parent contrasts with the permissive parent that says, Tyler, it's 8 p.m. Have you chosen to go to bed yet? You know, the interesting thing about those two so dissimilar uh, parenting styles is they both create the same kind of kid, the kid that's going to rebel. 
and one kid rebels because the parent's coming on too strong and trying to micromanage everything, and the other rebels because there's no guidelines whatsoever. We're trying to be their friend and not their parent. Let's go to the phones. Mary is waiting in Arlington. Mary, thanks for calling in. Hi, how are you? Great. Um, Dr. Lehman, I just want you to come live at my house for a while. (laughs) When do you want me to be there? Uh, We have two wonderful children, and with one of them, you know, the consequence things that you talk about, you know, if you don't get up in the morning, then you'll be late to school and you'll learn the lesson that way. It would work wonderfully with that child. The other child has hyperactivity, attention deficit, uh, bedwetting issues, uh, severely deep sleeping issues, still a wonderful kid. You know, I I honestly don't feel that either one is manipulating us, but I don't know how those consequence laws would work with this other child with the other issues. Do you have to get tougher, Dr. Lehman, in those cases, or give a little more grace when there's certain, you know, issues? Well, no, neither, really. Um, I'm so glad you called, though. This is a great question, because I don't know if you know this or not, but everybody who's got a bedwetter, listen to what I'm about to tell you. You don't need to get the bell, the whistle, the pad. You don't have to empty your kid's bladder before they go to bed at night. If you have a deep sleeping child, that's your problem. That's why your kid bedwets. It's not because you employ this discipline or that discipline. It's not because there's conflict in the child's life. It's because your child has deep sleep patterns. And most kids will outgrow those by about age 11 or 12. That's the good news. And so people are saying, oh, great. Well, what do we do with the kid bedwets? use plastic rubber sheets and put gutters on the bed. But the point is that don't overread into that, that the wed- the bedwetting is something psychological, because it's not. It's something very physiological in all probability. I always caution people to run it by your pediatrician, but I'm telling you, uh, I made that discovery, oh, probably 20 years ago, that connection, and I've helped thousands of parents deal with that. Now, keep in mind that as soon as we give kids labels, I don't care what the label is, we have a tendency to say, okay, because my child has ADD or ADHD, that somehow I have to allow this behavior. And that's where I separate real quickly. No, you don't have to allow it. No, it's not an excuse. And no, you still hold kids accountable. Just because one kid will respond and the other doesn't probably has very little to do with whatever label some professional has given your son or your daughter, okay? Well, my my issue is with those conditions playing out, that means go clean up your room, you know. It still means go clean up your room, doesn't it, Dr. Lehman? Well, yeah, you have to take the child by the hand, okay? And that child cleans the room. Now, if the child gets distracted and doesn't clean the room, but you've told them that they're going to go to the park that afternoon and go swimming, notice how they remember that. But when it comes time at 2 o'clock, the appointed hour to go to the park and go swimming, you say, honey, we're not going to the park today. Why not? You said we were going to go to the park. Honey, I asked you to clean your room this morning. I see it's not cleaned. Now, I'm telling you, that that will work with a child if you don't remind, if you don't coax, if you don't pry. You say it once, you turn your back, and you walk away. 
And that's the first lesson I try to lay out for the mm. parent in uh, Have a New Kid by Friday. That is freeing, and it eliminates the need or the uh, temptation to be a N-A-G nag, the word I hate. Uh, Dr. Lehman, let me ask you a question that one of our listeners emailed to us. His name yeah. is Chris in Lakewood, and he says, here's a question for Dr. Lehman. Uh, is it wise to treat one's child when they are a child as a social equal? Can we distinguish between respecting the child as a moral equal to an adult while not allowing them to think of themselves as actually equal in power and status to the parents? Well, God doesn't love parents more than children. They are social equals in many ways, uh, but they're not the same. I think where we've gotten in trouble is we've taken the notion of social equality and we have turned it into, therefore, kids and parents are the same. They're not the same. And so when a parent says, I've asked you to do this, and the kid challenges and says, why? You know, quite frankly, you could say, because I'm the parent, and I've asked you to do that. There is a chain of authority, and that's a God-given chain of authority. The state would like to take it away from us in many states. The federal government is taking it away in some ways. But the reality is that you are in healthy authority over your child. We're taking your calls for Dr. Kevin Lehman. Uh, The number is 800-881-9270. One more question before the break, Dr. Lehman, and that has to do with, uh, you know, sometimes kids do things because they're immature, they're forgetful, uh, you know, and you can kind of tell that their disobedience is not willful. I mean, how do you, and sometimes you can't tell, so how do you discern that? (laughs) Well, when I hear willful disobedience, I know who you listen to over the years. But, uh, you know, the point is, it's not done. Um, The work isn't done. The room isn't clean. It's not a matter of willfully disobedient. But we're not going to go to that ballgame tonight, even though we have tickets for it. Now, what I love about that is the other kid who did clean their room, who did do what was expected, may also suffer the consequence because we don't have a babysitter and can't leave the nine-year-old home by himself. Hmm. And, you know, it's just like we had a governor of New York State recently uh, resign in scandal. And, you know, whenever... whenever, Elliot Spitzer. Yeah, whenever sin happens, I got news for you. People who are innocent pay for it. And so no one member of the family is more important than the family. And I think once kids see that you mean business with this, and that's what's fun. I mean, I love to go on Amazon and just read what people are saying about this book, and they're they're saying things like, it's amazing. Uh, The change in attitude of my son or my daughter has just been a 180. As as an author, man, that's like somebody throwing a seal a four-pound fish. It just tastes good and feels good as it goes down. Well, some of the uh, prescriptions that you've made during our interview uh, play into how to have a new uh, kid by Friday, but we really haven't asked you that question. After the break, I will ask you, how do you have a new kid by Friday? And we'll continue to take your calls at 800-881-9270.
Criswell College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. All Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Criswell College. It's Mac at Night. See criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back. We're talk, uh, talking with Dr. Kevin Lehman, and uh, we're talking about how to really turn around behavior in uh, our children. And it is a plan. We haven't really gotten into the plan, but there's a Monday through Friday plan how to have a new kid by Friday. And Dr. Lehman, um, I want to kind of get a synopsis of that in a moment, but we've got uh, Trisha waiting from Burleson. Trisha, what's your question? It's kind of similar to what y'all have had, but I was wondering about certain issues. He said kind of the battle, picking your battles, right. and one of the ones we have with our seven-year-old son is brushing his teeth. It's, you know, most things he'll go do, but that's just one thing, and I don't know if it's a maturity issue or... And you don't want to leave the uh, cavity consequence. Yes. Right. <laughs> Dr. Lehman? I would tonight, okay, without any fanfare... I would walk up to him, and I would start brushing his teeth. And I would brush his teeth like they'd never been brushed before. Mm-hmm. Do you get my drift? Yes, sir. <laughs> and once, you know, you have a choice. Do you want to do them yourself or you want me to brush them? Mm-hmm. That's the point. But this, this whole, you know, Penna is about to ask me about the plan. Yes. There are no warnings in this system, and that's why it works. Warnings are disrespectful acts mm-hmm. on the part of us as adults. We're essentially saying, I think you're so stupid, I have to tell you twice to brush your teeth. And I don't expect you to do it, and I'm already going to tell you what the consequences are right. ahead of time. Exactly. So once you do that, I remember <laughs> a young mommy who was telling me about uh, her son would just refuse to take a bath. And she said, I know he's my own flesh and blood, but Doc, I'm telling you, he stinks. He needs a bath. And I suggested, well, give him a bath like he'd never been bathed before, you know. And that was the last time he ever balked at taking a bath. Mm. So, again, it's action, not words. And that's what gets kids' attention. Action. Your action. Your decisive, consistent action sets up kids. And this is the interesting thing. I, I think every parent needs to understand your kid actually wants to please you. They don't like it when you're unhappy with them. Amazing. 
Dr. Kevin Lehman is with us. Thanks, Tricia. We appreciate your calling in. Okay, Dr. Lehman, can you just kind of give us a synopsis of how to go through uh, these days of turning a child's behavior around? Certainly, some children are uh, in in worse shape than others, but uh, can you just kind of summarize uh, this plan? I'd be glad to. In fact, I have to tell you this. I had a conversation with a publisher. Again, the book title is Have a New Kid by Friday, and I said, you know, I think we could call this book Have a New Kid by Wednesday. And they said, well, why Wednesday? And I said, well, actually, it only takes two days for most kids to turn their behavior around. And they said, hey, chubby one, we like the five-day plan. So we left it five days. But anyway, to answer your question, we start off again (laughs) with don't ask your kids any questions. Stop asking our kids all the questions, okay? Let's get questions out of the way. Number two, understand that fighting is an act of cooperation. So there cannot be fighting between you and your child if you make the pledge that I'm not going to fight with my child. So what do you do instead? Lesson one, you tell them once, you turn your back, you walk away. That's Monday. That's your assignment on Monday. Say it once, turn your back, walk away. Now that disengages you from battle. Now, if you've told the child to do something and it's not done, there's a consequence, but a consequence without any warning. Okay? Uh, let's say it's a 17-year-old kid who, 17, not a 4-year-old, a 17-year-old who can drive a car, you know, and he's the hotshot baseball shortstop on the summer league team this summer. He's going into his senior year of high school. He's already got scholarship honors, uh, offers. You know, he's a... He's a baseball player. He's a good one. But he smarts off to you on a Saturday morning, and then at 4 o'clock that afternoon, he's asking you where the keys are to the car because he can't find them. And you're going to tell him, very matter-of-factly, the car's not going anywhere, neither are you. Now, he's got his uniform on. He bats third in the lineup. He's, he's the best player on the team. Wow, that is and serious it, consequences. And, it, and it's a playoff game. It is. And some people, especially coaches, and I've coached baseball players who even went on and retired from the major leagues, so I I understand the game of baseball and understand competition real well. And some people are thinking, well, isn't it important that that kid holds up his responsibility to the team and to the other coach? Yes, that's true. But here's the question. What's more important for that 17-year-old to respect his mom and understand that he needs to end up and have a positive image of what is a woman in his own home? See, I think that's the important issue. And so when you do these rug-pulling things that Kevin Lehman suggests, I'm just telling you, yes, they sound harsh. Yes, it sounds difficult when I say take the little buzzard by the beak. But I'm telling you, they're unionized, they have a game plan, and they're working us. And uh, if you do issue the consequences, you probably won't have to do it again. That's true. Most of these things that I talk about, like a kid who keeps getting out of bed at night, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this one out. You get one of those little plastic covers and put over a three-year-old's door where they can't turn it. Okay? In other words, you're saying not let the child out of the room. That's exactly what I'm saying. If you want to hold the door, you can hold the door. They'll kick the door. They'll scream. They'll have a meltdown. They'll freak out. Do not open the door until they're absolutely quiet. When they're quiet, open the door gently. Why gently? Because the kid's probably curled up on the floor with their blankie um, Mm. right behind the door. 
and now notice what the three-year-old does. They negotiate kind of like a like a Philadelphia attorney. Mommy, just let's just leave the door open and they say, "Honey, I'll leave the door open. I'll leave the nightlight on, but you need to stay in bed." And they'll cut you a deal right there. And so this needless back and forth and putting kids in bed and mommy, I'm afraid and I'm scared and all that. Those are just little con artist things that kids come up with that they realize that they can get mom or dad back into the room and the whole cycle starts over again. Dr. Lehman, I wish we had another hour with you. I think we could benefit. Uh, I'm sorry to all the folks who are lined up uh, to ask questions, but uh, maybe this would be a good time to say this is a great book, Have a New Kid by Friday. Some of the other books, uh, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours, and of course the Birth Order book. Uh, We could ask all kinds of questions about that too. But thank you so much, Dr. Lehman, for giving us this time and just for your ministry and the work that you do. Hey, you're welcome, Penna. Nice to visit with you. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, tomorrow, uh, believe it or not, we have another uh, best-selling author. He is Jerry Jenkins, and, uh, of course, he's got about 175 or six or so books. Uh, But the latest one that he has written, he says, is his life's work. Of course, he's the author uh, with Tim LaHaye of the Left Behind series and just so much uh, good reading out there. He's going to join us, uh, so we'll continue to cover the news on Jerry Johnson Live. But, you know, I want to go back to uh, the scripture that Dr. Lehman mentioned in Ephesians where he talked about how children are to obey their parents. I love uh, what happens in verse 3 if uh, they do that, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. May you and your children live long on the earth. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.